Testing, testing. One, two, three, four. Tasting, tasting. Four, three, seven, four. Two, one. Hi, everyone. I'm Regan. And I'm Jeff. And this is Mad and Femme Criterion Commentaries. A cinematic journey through the Criterion Collection. Today we are on spine number 10, Walkabout. Uh, it's from 1971. It's a film directed by Nicholas Rogue. It takes place in the Australian desert. It's very avant-garde. They're doing a lot of walkabout and... Stupid. <laughs> uh. It's probably the most free-form film that we've seen so far. Evidently, mm-hmm. there was only like a 14-page script. If you can call poop free-formed, then it's free-formed. So the movie starts with um, an opening scene... Most oh, do. Shut up. Okay. Takes place in Australia. There are English kids in Australia. Basically, their dad drives them out into the middle of the desert and then tries to murder them. And when he can't kill them, he sets himself on fire and then shoots himself in the head. And the kids are stuck out in the middle of nowhere. There's two kids. There's a daughter or someone who just referred to as the girl and a young boy and she's trying to keep him calm and walk to safety or back to civilization only things go terribly wrong yeah she's trying to walk back to civilization only they didn't go the way that they came from which was pretty stupid i mean i know that their dad was uh shooting at them no i know and then killed himself and she didn't want her brother to see it but still you're going to walk all the way across Australia to the other side to get back to civilization? There wasn't really any road. There, They weren't on a road. They were just driving on the desert. Well, I know, but she should know which way she had come from. I don't she think those little compasses that suction cup to the windows of your cars were invented yet. It's called turning around. Where your car turn was. Turn around. Where was your car? Can you turn around? It's so annoying. No, I don't want to join that dumbness. It's stupid. So, what I wanted to talk about was... Turn around. (laughs) Yeah, real funny. So I wanted to talk about the opening sequence where it starts with the juxtaposition of Aboriginal music and scenes of life in Australia. And it mixes in noises of telephones and cars and the school... That, I thought, was probably one of the coolest parts of the entire film. Where the didgeridoo music was playing while everybody's hustling and bustling in a city doing, like, meaningless Mm -hmm. garbage life stuff. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I thought there were some really cool abstract images of the landscape throughout the movie as well. So those were the two things that I, I found to be the most captivating. It was gorgeous looking. Yeah. I mean, it was clear that there wasn't much of a story to work with. It was mostly just a visual a visual feast. That's about it. I think it would have been better if it was completely avant-garde instead of trying to have some type of a story. It would have been almost more interesting. You should read some of the taglines from the movie. I don't think that these were actually any that they used on uh, posters or anything like that. They probably were. It says... The walkabout taglines on IMDb, so you can look these up if you want to read along. 
You think on a poster it said, filmed in its entirety in the Australian wilderness. I do, because when they released this film, they were trying to decide whether or not it was an Australian film or an English film. Can I read the one that my parents would have put on the poster? Yes. Just about the most different film you'll ever see. I'm sure that they that used person that hated this movie. They did, and they didn't know how else to say it. I like this one though. A boy and a girl face the challenge of the world's last frontier, dangers they had never known before, a people they had never seen before. It should have been a person they had never seen before. Right, because they only saw one Aboriginal man. The Aborigine and the girl, 30,000 years apart, together. (laughs) I don't know. It was like watching an Australian version of the... um, Softcore porn show? No. I was going to say the Disney movie where the cats and the dogs get lost and they have to find their way back. Milo and Otis? No. The Incredible Journey. Oh, Milo and Otis is better. There's some boobs in it, because Regan didn't like it. No, that's not why I didn't like it. I just thought that that scene with her swimming, and it was like super sexualized, but it was like... So disturbing at the same time. Yeah, because then it would cut to like the guy like killing stuff. Skinny dipping and... And killing things. Cross cut. That was a long scene. That felt like it was like five minutes. I know. Of skinny dipping and kangaroos getting killed. And then what else did they kill? They killed a lot of stuff. I don't know, but I really do think I think he went in the other room because he didn't like watching things get killed. Because they were really killing whatever that was. Well, that's what I was going to say. I really think that they were killing all this stuff. They were, but I think they were eating them. You're just saying that to be nice. The craziest thing about the whole movie was they go on this big journey where they find out they can live off the land, and this Aboriginal guy shows them all the tricks of the trade, how to find water in the sand, how to kill enough food to eat, you know, where the swimming holes are. And then when they finally go back to civilization, she's, like, married and miserable and thinking about him, Mm -hmm. even though he's dead. So the moral of the story is, if you meet somebody in the sands of Australia, it was probably meant to be. I can see where people like Steven Soderbergh took his editing style and used it for stuff like the Limey or even the Limey. I can't remember the other movie I was thinking of when we started this. There are a lot of double exposures, like camels with riders over the bush. The page-turning thing? Yeah. Are you reading my notes? No. I'm just remembering how weird all of a sudden it was that it was like turning pages of a book. Like, all of a sudden we're watching a story page by page. Yeah, so it felt more like he wanted to play around with different film techniques and different film editing styles and cared more about that than actually, like, creating a well-rounded story. I'll give him this, though. I mean, that the movie, after you watch it, it ends up staying with you a little while. Cause it's yeah, it so, does. It's so different. It really is. It's the most different movie you'll ever see. No, it does stay with you. Every time I see a kangaroo now, I'm like, I should really beat that over the head and then eat its eat legs. It. <laughs> I bet those legs are delicious. <laughs> uh. 
Wait, is that why you wanted me to dress up like a kangaroo? What? There were some parts where it seemed like the trees that he was photographing resembled like vaginas or... There was a vagina tree for sure. Lady parts and lady legs and maybe male legs. I don't know, there was just a lot of trippy sequences in this movie. There was times where they were <clears throat> climbing the trees where you couldn't tell what was their leg and what was a tree branch. Mm-hmm. I also read that he couldn't get anybody to finance the movie because he didn't really have a script. And he found two Americans who financed the whole damn thing. And they just went out into the desert and just kind of like shot whatever looked interesting and cut it all together with what little of the story they had. The kid in the movie is his actual son. Oh, really? Yep. That kid was kind of funny. I did think it was interesting that once they got to the old abandoned house and they sort of started playing house, that was when the disconnect came between the girl and the aboriginal boy. That and those hunters showed up and just slaughtered a bunch of, I don't even know if they were bulls or what they were, but that kid saw the white hunters show up. They almost actually hit him with their car. So they show up, and then they just randomly kill as many things as they can, and they don't even take anything. They, like, cut the heads off for trophies, and they leave all the meat. And between that and finding himself in almost like a domestic civilization, he like it's like he went nuts, and then he tried to do that mating ritual thing, which freaked her out. And then all of a sudden, he hung himself from a tree and died. Did he hang himself? It was hard to figure out I don't know, he was hanging up in a tree and he was dead. No, I know, but it was like his arms were wrapped around the limbs of the trees and he was just hanging there. Yeah, I don't know. That didn't Which was weird. make then, a lot of sense. And then the girl and the boy were just kind of like, oh, well... She, she told him he wasn't dead. Oh, he's not dead, he's just sleeping. Hey, let's go over here. Yeah. That poor kid is going to have some emotional trauma issues when he grows up. I don't know, because he was like... Dad killed himself, right? And she's like, no. No, he didn't. I don't know. It was not what I expected. I didn't know anything about this going into it. I thought it was going to be like a survival story instead of like a visual trip. Mm-hmm. Anything else that stood out for you? No? Okay, I'll talk. <laughs> I'm trying to remember it because I didn't take notes on this one. Oh, Jeff, how, you know that we don't do the podcast right away. you got to take notes. I know. We watched this like a month ago, I feel like. Um, there was a part where they run into a woman who's trying to recruit aboriginals for slave labor, and she says something to the aboriginal boy, and he pretty much ignores her. So when we were watching it, I thought she was a prostitute, and she was coming on to him, and I was like, well, he doesn't have any money. Why in the hell would you try to get... No. Did you really not put two and two together? No, because they showed her first, being like, hey, you want to do something? And I was probably not hearing exactly what she said. Well, and then that guy brought that girl into the house and ended up banging her, the white dude. So I, that's why I thought she was a prostitute. I guess I missed the part of... Yeah, she like wandered, sex. wandered back in there, went in the house, and then he followed after her and locked the door and let the aboriginals keep painting, and then he had sex with her. Hmm. That's why I thought she was a prostitute. I thought he was telling her all about his recent business plans. No. No? He was showing her his sculpting technique. 
Also, the dad was really creepy, and it looked like he was, like, sexually attracted to his daughter. What makes you think that? Because he was leering at her in her swimming suit at the beginning of the movie, and then he drove her out with the brother into the desert, and he was, like, looking at her underwear at one point through his goggles. How did I miss all this stuff? I don't know. I think you were asleep. I think I was trying to sleep. I think in the beginning, he was just looking out, and she was swimming in the pool. Yeah, but he was, like, looking at her weird, and then he was looking at her underwear through his binoculars when they were out in the desert. I do not remember that at all. And frankly, since you didn't take notes, I think you're just making it up. I'm not. (laughs) I might have been too busy writing, because I take extensive notes when we watch these movies. See, and then you miss out on all the amazing details of somebody looking at their daughter's underwear. That's gross. Yeah, I don't know. That whole dad sequence was, I don't know, that was just too realistic. That was too gross. I don't know. That was hard to watch. I would imagine it would be that weird and creepy if it happened for real. No, I know. So, how many stars out of ten would you give this one? I don't think that way. Well, you should think that way. Cause this no, one I'm going to say stars. it was worth watching just because of how it was put together was interesting to see. I'll never watch it again. So it's kind of like Ikea furniture. No, Ikea furniture is disposable. It's like, hey, this is good enough for now. Exactly. So it's But you don't learn anything by putting it together <laughs> other than... I know. That's the same with this movie. You didn't no, you learn, learn something by putting all this stuff together. How juxtaposing images can give really different messages depending on what you're going for. Well, so what was the message that you got from all the juxtaposed images in this one? That modern life is rubbish, and that the aboriginal live the more natural and fulfilling life. Well, that's what I got out of it, too. (laughs) Copycat. No, it's true. Check us out on Facebook. And Twitter. We finally got our Twitter account up. At Man and Femme on Twitter. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, do us a favor. If, you, if you're having fun listening to us or even hate us really bad and think we suck and you only hate listen to us, will you please go on iTunes and just tell everybody how awesome or how much we suck? That way more people can find us. And if you hate listen to us, it's because you secretly like us. All right, let's be done. Well, we got to say goodbye. Goodbye. And then tell them that the next episode is going to be The Seventh Seal by Ingmar Bergman, which is one of Regan's favorite films ever. The next the next one is going to be The Seventh Seal by Ingmar Berberin. Berberin? <laughs> Favorite one ever. I like Ingmar Bourbon better. <laughs> ah!